Hi, Tamarindo Podcast listeners. Before we get to this episode, we want to take a moment to address the overturn of Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion, and we are angry. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all people. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights, so this is for everyone. To learn more about what you can do to help provide some solutions, please go to podvoices.help. That's podvoices.help or donate to abortion providers today. We'll talk a little bit about this deeper on a future episode. But for now, please join this hilarious and fun conversation with our friend Laura Tejada. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Tamarindo. Gracias. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, it's such joy to have you here. And um, for the people that do not know, tell the people what you're about. I know you, you wear a lot of hats, so tell us who you are, what you do. So my name is Laura. I joke around and tell people, never Laura Tejeda. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and they, ella, también, o chamaca, o cabrona. I go by all of them. Um, and I am a social justice educator, equity consultant, writer for LA Taco, just dabbled into journalism, and now I have to claim it with all my heart, um, and host, host for YouTube. I can host live events. I do that through my educational um, job that I work in higher education, and essentially, I'm just about community, and I'm about love, and I'm about like loving on people and loving on community. So I feel like I wear a lot, a lot of hats, but essentially, that's me in a nutshell. If you got to make a recipe of me, education, equity, fun, Hosting, joy, writing, comida, todo. I love it. Yes, excellent. Well, you're right at home here, um, Tamarindo. That is exactly what we're about. So when we we start our shows, we always like to just kind of check in. You know, ¿qué pasa contigo? What's on your mind? What are you up to? You know, what did you just do? Whatever, like, what is on your mind? It could be anything. Oh, my gosh. So much is on my mind. But right now, I'm actually in the intersect of my career between really continuing to enjoy and learn from my educational background, right? So I work with college students at a local university. Um, and I've been at this position I'm at for six years. And lately, what's been on my mind is manifesting more creative opportunities. So I submitted a South Tape audition to Netflix, You Are Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, or I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. I'm like, you know what? I keep talking about it. Let me be about it with my chest. So I submitted the tape, no sé qué va a pasar. I'm not an actress uh, by study, right? Um, but yeah, I think that's been on my mind lately, just this idea of continuing to do what I love with students and, and banking on the excitement of having benefits and being an adult, but then also dabbling into like what scares me, right? Which is getting more into this creative field. So that's been weighing on me heavy and not in a bad way, but no me deja dormir, no me deja dormir, no me deja, uh, I, I can't stop thinking. The wheels don't stop turning when it comes to what I want to do next. 
That is fantastic. Um, we on Tamarindo are huge fans of um, I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, huge fans of Erika, uh, who wrote the book. Like, it's just yes. so great. And uh, we're going to send positive juju your way that they witness your your talent. <laughs> you know, they witness <laughs> your talent, which is immense, immense. And I love what you're what you're sharing, because I think in a moment we're going to delve into some some questions around career, because it is sort of like this pandemic, I think, at least for me, and, I, and I'm sure for a lot of people, has really made people reflect on, like, how do they want to spend their life and, and how do they want to spend their time? And I love yeah. everything you're sharing. And I think it's great that you're thinking about how to tap into more of that creativity, porque you have it. You know, you have it. You thank have you. It. Thank you. Yeah, I'm like, the least that could happen, the worst that could happen is que me dicen no. And the best that can happen is they're like, maybe not for this role, but maybe for somebody, somebody else, you know? So I'm just putting my hat. I'm putting my name in the hat. I love it. Out there. I love it. Well, of course, we know you by way of LA Taco and, of, and you know, you, you are an ambassador of amazing food. I would love to know, like, and you're from East LA too, but what do you want people to know about LA's cuisine? Like for people that are not from here, not from this area, what should they know about our food here? I think there's there's a it's a double it's a double I'm gonna answer your your question in two ways. First and foremost, there's so many upcoming talented chefs in the community. Um, a shout out to Ace Barbecue, who's from my neighborhood, City Terrace, who started. I don't even remember the exact year he started, but I remember following him when he had like a couple of hundred, almost a thousand followers. Now he's at 16k and he's serving up some of East LA's best brisket, right? We have East LA Barbecue Company was also in the game. We have so many people in the community that are up and coming, but we also have people that have been here, that have been serving that fire plato de chilaquiles and that and, and that breakfast to to the working class folks, right? And so that's what that's where I enjoy so much about being involved somehow in the food community. But like it's beautiful that I've been able to come through it by creating my page hungry and Islos. So one of the things I think about is how beautiful it is when when writers bring light to to up and coming chefs or even to the chefs that are, you know, bougie, you know, like out here bringing bringing a certain level of cuisine. But my heart lays and lies always with the folks that have been here, the Allen B's being in Cheese Burrito and La Primera, the Lupe's Burritos, the, the places that have such contextual history in the neighborhood. Um, that's what I want people to know. It's like enjoy all of it for what it is. But for me. Lo que me cae al corazón is, is the places that my grandma used to take me to, even after she migrated, right? The place where she liked to get her pedazo de chicharrón. Um, I have mad love for both, for both of those existing um, communities. Yeah, what a treasure we have in, in Los Angeles. And um, yes. absolutely, we have to celebrate those institutions, right? Those places that have been there for generations. Yeah. And uh, you just mentioned that you, you live in City Terrace or and you know about this place in City Terrace. You're from East L.A. and you, you, you're you know, from the community. The community is central to you. How would you describe East L.A. today to people who are not from here? So it's shifted a lot because gentrification has happened. The gold line was constructed. Um, but I think always, regardless of those factors that are ever changing and affecting and impacting community, it's home and it's warmth and it's love. Um, growing up, I went to Catholic school my whole life. My grandpa migrated here from Jalisco and it, it, religion was important to him and education was important to him. And for him, private education was what he believed um, what was was what he was taught to do when he migrated, right? Obviously, we challenged that a lot. Like public education is super important, but I'm a Catholic school girl through and through. 
and none of my friends and all the the Catholic school that I went to was in the hood. So it wasn't like that here. Friends came over or I went to their house. We knew what it was. Um, when I started getting a little bit older and going to high school in, in, in other communities in San Gabriel, to be exact, it was always kind of like this idea that it was dangerous, right? Like the gangs and the graffiti and it's not the best neighborhood. And somehow I did experience, you know, like maybe two drive-bys in my whole life. Like I saw them or heard about them or they were at the next street. But I never felt unsafe in this community. And I don't want to say that to sound ignorant and to say that these, these very real issues do exist, right? Um, violence, danger. But for me, I would jog in, in my streets in East LA and like I would be, keep through chat to make sure I was making sure no one was following me, right? The things that you learn when you, you know, you're from certain communities. But it also meant that I was running by houses that's not like, like fresh laundry and tortillas in El Comal. And the señoras that would say, buenas tardes, mija, right? Like I felt enveloped. I felt even though there's danger, I believe in every community, I always felt like everyone's family here. I lived in New York for grad school. And I remember like such small things that I didn't even think about being here were so beautiful when I came back. I was only there for an academic year, but I'm such an East Los girl or community girl that when I, I think I came back for one break because I'm a Yorona and I'm like, I want to be there for Christmas or I think it was Thanksgiving or someone's birthday. I don't remember what holiday I came down for. And I just remember hearing Ice Cube in one car, corridos in the neck, smelling exhaust pipe and smelling the taquero. And like that intersection of all of those feelings and sounds and smells, I was like, this shit doesn't exist in New York. It's different for folks in New York. In New York, it might be other other factors. And for me, it was just, I don't know. It means love. It means home. Um, it means like roots. It means history to my family. I love that. And when you mention envelope, I just think like envelope in a nice, warm flour tortilla. <laughs> yes, right. Total frijolito. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and so, of course, like I mentioned, we know you through the through LA Taco and then the right the the amazing writing that you do for as you describe food and put taqueros on the map. Um, but you also wear many different hats. And, you know, part of it is working with young people. And a yeah. lot of young people today, they're entering their careers. They might have some career questions. So I thought it would be fun if we tackle some uh, career questions. And uh, let's see how we handle these together. How does that sound for you? I love that. I'm all about this. Okay, so we got some questions from our listeners. One of them is, how do I climb the corporate ladder? I'm the only Latina on my team. So I'm guessing from, from this person's question is that she feels isolated, but she's also very ambitious, wants to climb the corporate ladder. What comes to mind when you, when you hear that question? First and foremost, what comes to mind is that I'm not in, corporate, in the corporate world, but I have many friends that are, and I also feel that sometimes educational institutions function as corporations, unfortunately. Um, and fortunately, right, like depending on, on the impact. But essentially, the biggest thing, especially for a Latina woman, is to find your community, whether it be one person in a certain department or another one across another department. Find a homie that can keep you sane amidst a lot of bullshit that might happen. Um, I think if it weren't for the community that I've built and folks have left and folks have come and people have impacted my journey, um, as employees in an educational institution, if it wasn't for them there to have my back, to push me, 
to validate me in moments where I feel crazy or where it feels like every day walking into the office could feel like the twilight zone. Um, if it wasn't for those folks, I would have given up a long time ago or, or, or really met my, my limit a long time ago. So I really think that um, I currently am mentoring two students who, who got positions in a corporation through recruitment, right? I have a really good friend who works in recruitment for a really big corporation. And he's like, we need a diversity intern. And I'm very honest with them. I'm like, listen, I haven't been in that realm, but I've been in the game enough to know that things are going to be different, right? We're very flexible in my, in my workspace with our students' hours because we recognize that they're students first. Um, and a lot of things have already come up in their first week, right? Like international employees saying they've never seen a Black person, right? And for these students, they're educated with an equitable mindset. And obviously, they're still growing, right? Identity formation in the college years really happens beautifully. Um, but to hear that, they, they become offended, right? And so stepping back and realizing many times impact versus intent is important. Someone might not know the impact they're making by making a comment. So like learning how to begin those conversations can be so powerful. So I'm currently supporting a student who's, who's in that and I'm seeing it through his eyes. Um, and and I, I told him the same thing, find your community, find your, your mentor in that space that you can actually like say, yo, what was that? Why'd they say that? And that person can provide context, right? A lot of folks internationally, unfortunately, like there is a lot of ignorance when it comes to knowing certain races and communities. Um, so yeah, comunidad is super important. That's my my tip. Very, what do you think? very good tips. Absolutely, I I love that. I I had I did spend a lot of time in the corporate world, and the things that come to mind as you were describing finding your community, depending on the size of the corporation. But um, if it's a, if it's a big corporation, a lot of these places um have affinity groups like the Latin group mm -hmm. or the, the black group or the women's group, be involved in as many as you can because they're open to everyone. But that is a really yeah. great way to build your network outside of your department. Cause I think what a lot, a lot that happens in the corporate world is like you might stay, want to stay in your lane. And so it can become very limited when you, um, when you don't expand beyond that, but you're like, well, how do I expand beyond that? One thing is to find out if your corporation has these affinity groups, get involved because what connects people in those groups is just like that they're all aligned around that community. So that means let's just say that you work. I'm thinking of financial institution because that's where I worked. Let's just say yeah. you're, you're a banker, like that's your job, but you want to find out what they do in the tech department and you may never get exposed to that. But if somebody, but all these people might come together in those affinity groups, that's your way to get exposed to those different people and start to build your community. So that's one tip. The other thing that I want young people to know, um, and I, I think they're experiencing it or, or they're seeing this, is that nowadays people are, are climbing by by switching jobs, um, there's there's no longer this need to stay in the same institution for a very long time. Um, of course, that works for some people. Some people still still find a, a, a place that they've landed and they like and they can stay there. But what I'm seeing more and more is people switching roles um, and titles by just going to a different organization or entity. Sometimes you do hit that roadblock where you've gotten as far as you can and you might need to look elsewhere. And that's no no longer frowned upon. I think I think people are understanding that that you've got to be nimble and flexible. And another way to climb the corporate ladder is actually hopping, hopping side to side to, to different jobs. So those are the tips that I have for those corporate folks trying to climb that ladder. Most definitely. I have a friend right now who's also searching for a new job so that they can leverage the salary offered at their current job. So they're like, I don't necessarily want to leave, but I know they could be paying me more. So I'm going to show them that I have other prospects, you know? So there's so many things that I learned that doesn't exist within the educational system, I would say. I feel like um, 
it's very different, right? Folks who work in education sometimes aren't even paid enough, I, I would argue. Uh, but yeah, those are great tips. I'm over here writing notes, girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I did, some folks did ask questions like, how do you negotiate? And um, I know it, it, you're right because I've I, I've had the experience of being in an, in an academic institution and the the, the mm-hmm. opportunities for negotiating are, are few really because it, it there's some benefits to places like a public university because sometimes there's very set like this is what this role pays you know <laughs> very mm-hmm. set parameters yeah. and and in a way I mean in a way that's sort of uh, that could be seen as a positive I know that a lot of organizations that want to do more uh, more diversity, equity, and inclusion, they've actually done away with negotiation because people of color and women are so, um, you know, they don't have the experience to negotiate well that, that it, it perpetuates the low, you know, the, the, the income gap. So a way mm-hmm. to eliminate or narrow that gap Two things have happened. One is now in California, you, you can't ask what people used to make. So that's that's helpful because if you already started making not that much, um, they'll use that against you. And then they'll be like, yeah. well, you didn't pay that, pay that much. Well, we don't pay that much. Well, they got rid of that legally. So that's a positive. But another more intentional effort that institutions are doing, organizations are doing, is just say, this is what we pay and that's it. There is no negotiating. And that is actually looked at as an equity uh, practice, again, because women and people of color are um, don't have that practice with negotiating. But if you are at a place where you do negotiate, there are a couple of quick tips that I have for you. One is when you're given an offer, even if it's way beyond what you ever dreamed, just say, I'm going to think about it. <laughs> because yep. just thinking about it, they'll be like, oh, no, I don't, you know, let's, let's offer her more. You know, that could happen. So always always spend some time thinking about it. The other thing is to really comb through the benefits, like look at the benefits, because sometimes the salary is not the full deal. You really need to look at what the benefits are. Um, I I know of a person that took a job that on paper looked like she was going to get a raise, but then a couple of weeks in, she realized, oh no, I have to contribute more for my health insurance. I actually broke even. (laughs) So look at all those benefits. And these are a couple, a couple of tips for, for negotiating and other other things is just think about what what matters to you because sometimes it may not be uh, maybe the the salary is there's not much wiggle room but are there other things you can negotiate more flexibility uh, more pay pay time off etc. So anyways those are some tips for negotiating um, but let's Definitely. move on to another one I I interact with some young people and something is that they're um, inexperienced in is email etiquette and and how to, Mm. and look, I I remember going to career days um, for middle school. Like, what do you do all day? I'm honestly, I I sit and I reply to emails all day. That's literally (laughs) what I do. (laughs) So like, what are some of the things that young people need to know when it comes to email etiquette? Oh my gosh, this is a big pet peeve. And I'm like, don't look at my Twitter because sometimes I do complain about, and not just, and unfortunately it's not just young people, which in my case, but it's never one of the biggest things that I always remind students to do is to just Google what is an email body. Kind of like you used to Google how to write an essay, your introduction, a paragraph, you're your, your summarizing in, in, in the second paragraph, you're adding more meat in the third. I'm, I'm probably butchering the exact format, right? But there's so much information out there that can support a young person trying to reach out and make sure that they're writing a concise, clear, effective email. It obviously depends on what you're sending. But I get emails sometimes where I'm not even introduced to who they are. 
There's no hello. It's just a question, right? As if I'm getting a text from a random person. Um, there's no closure. Um, there's no context, right? Um, so essentially, my biggest thing is always introduce yourself. Always remind me who you are, because I might not know who the heck you are. And I'm also someone who talks to professors and also get this question, right? Like, you want to be memorable. You want the person to respond. So another thing is keep it short and sweet, right? If it, if it lends to having a five-minute conversation instead of writing seven paragraphs, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in for someone who's reading an email and trying to make sure they get you the correct answer or point you to the right person or respond to you correctly. So keeping it concise and always closing it out with like a thanks, right? My favorite greeting is warmly or in solidarity because best in regards is a little bit too much, right? Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like introduction. Whether you're asking a question, reminding people who you are, ask your question, make your statement. What information are you trying to gather by emailing this person? Even if it's just a greeting, I wanted to introduce myself, right? An academic institution. I'm really enjoying your class. We talked about this, this, and this next week. Even if you're just trying to stand out, which I always encourage young folks to do, by the way, whether you're job searching or you're in a class and you're trying to stand out, always introduce yourself to the professor, always follow up after an interview saying, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this about the interview. Be clear, give examples. Um, it really depends on the context, but introductions for me and conciseness is really, really important. Absolutely. Yes. I love, I love the conciseness. Um, I'm thinking back to my time doing a lecturing, you're actually lecturing at, at a Cal State. And yes, your professors have so many students. So be mm -hmm. clear, let them know which class, like what time you take that class, like be specific about who you are. I love that. You want to be memorable because truly when it comes to grades and all that stuff, if they remember your name, you're in good shape. You're in good shape. Mm -hmm. So these are all fantastic tips. And I love um, you focusing on the greetings and the closing. Oh, I absolutely, as you were describing that, I thought about like when, when some people do is like they, they put their question in the subject line and just send it. Oh I gosh. freaking hate that. <laughs> like, please give me a, a full email. Uh, what are some other email pet peeves? What are some of the things that you just cannot stand when it comes to email? I just don't like when people are sound demanding or entitled and they don't know your time. If you follow up so quickly, um, I, I recognize like some people need answers right away. And if I worked in emergency or nursing or, you know, life, life and death situations, I would understand that need. I probably wouldn't be emailing you I, when people follow up after like two hours, unless it's something that they really, they're really needing from me. If it's nothing urgent and they're not patient and at least give me 48 hours, that's a huge pet peeve because it's, it's showing me that they think I'm the only there to, to serve them. Right. Um, another thing is also really big typos huge typos are just like oh come on you should have read that over you know and sometimes I've been victim so I don't want to be elitist or Eurocentric and say we can't make mistakes but follow up and be like apologies meant this or oh my gosh I was texting while or I was typing it while driving you know transparency depending on who I'm talking to matters right because I know students specifically the ones that I work with they're not just students they're parents they work two jobs they're creative, they're artists. So I get it. Everyone's always on the go and we're also emailing on our phone here and there. Um, but yeah, I would say that, or even just completely butchering my name. Like Lauren, even I'll give that a pass because sometimes we're quick and we're like, we see loud and that's enough. It's going to be Lauren, Laura, whatever. But sometimes people call me by my last name and then they still misspell my last name or they'll call me a completely different name and I'm like where did you get this from like you clearly I, sometimes I leave those to the respond if you have time you know 
So those are some that stand out to me. Definitely. Yeah. Those are, those are all great. You know, get people's names, right? Typos. I'm, I'm horrible about it, but I do own up to it. I do own up to it. So I do, I do say, oh, actually, gosh, I reread it. I'm like, God, God, what did I mean there? So I clarify. You know what? And I caught one. I caught one to you. I put Jube instead of June. When I was looking through our text history, or our email history. I said, wow, I, I definitely misspelled it. The funny thing is that we're all such a, in such a run that by like half the time you don't even catch them. You understand like, right? Yeah. But I think that, you know, the context is important. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. and I love like, um, yes, I think that's a great idea about like give people at least 24 to 48 hours of grace period. Like people got a lot of shit to do. It, it is fair to like bring something up again because sometimes we get so many emails. So I do sometimes appreciate like, oh, I don't know if you saw this. I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. Thank you. But give them time. You know, don't do it in two hours. Definitely not within the same day. Absolutely not. You got to give people 24 to 48 hours. I love that grace period. That's a great idea. And um, I love when just, just a quick hello, like, hello, Laura, not just like Laura, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Nobody talks to me that way. <laughs> you got to say hello when I started this, when I was, yes, in English or in Spanish, but give me some warmth, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. A little bit of personality. And back to your point about, um, what were you saying? The two hours response time? Yeah, like wow, giving people, blinking, giving so people some uh, grace period, you know, to respond. I do appreciate through like do um, sometimes you get so many emails that you you I need that reminder sometimes. So, yeah, do your due diligence and re- bring something back up to someone's inbox, as they say. That's what I was going to say. That. And I know myself enough to know that sometimes things get so lost because I have so much coming at me. So sometimes I even tell students, if you don't hear back from me, Cause I'll know like, Hey, I won't know until next Wednesday. So if you email me again tomorrow, I won't have an answer. So email me next Wednesday. And if I don't respond to you in a day, email me again. Right. So sometimes we got to know ourselves because things get so lost in my email that I'm like, and I have like eight emails that I'm overseeing. So sometimes I'm like, Oh, and I always thank people too. Like, thank you so much for your reminder, because if you wouldn't have reminded me, I already have 87 emails on top of yours. So I'm like sifting through them. That's something I need to work on is also categorizing and prioritizing emails because sometimes things get lost in the mix. Absolutely. Actually, I I want to call out something else you said is if somebody does remind you to say, thank you for reminding, that is, that's a good practice versus I'm sorry, I, I, I forgot about that. So I want, especially women hearing this, let's yes. step away from I'm sorry. Let's step away from the I'm sorry. Let's take a step away from the just checking. Like we're all professionals. You don't need to apologize and you don't need to um, ask permission for following up. So catch yourself when you see yourself using the word just or apologizing. Instead of apologizing, you could say thank you for your patience or thank you for reminding me. That is another way to approach it so that we're we're not just running around just humbling ourselves when we don't need to. So let's step into our power. I love that. Yes, I love that. And that even translates to students who ask for things in their roles. Um, we, we have student employees and we are very honest with them and share. This is a very special environment that we're creating because we're flexible with your schedule, knowing that you have classes and you're studying. But don't ask me if you're sick, if you need a mental health day, Unless there's a huge event that you're in charge of, then I understand checking in and like making sure someone's there to fill in your shoes. But I get the, I'm so sorry, I'm sick, I have a cold, I have to take it off. I, I am always constantly reminding students, never apologize for being sick. Like you want to apologize because your body decided you got a virus by breathing air, you know? So 
say, you know what, an unfortunate situation happened. I'm not feeling too well. I'm going to have to take the day off versus being apologetic and showing that, that you, 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 there's no way in hell you can apologize for certain things. So many things can happen in a day emergencies. Um, and so I always remind students, like, don't, you don't need to apologize to me for getting sick. Like take care of yourself. That's what I care about most. Um, because we need to remove that from our language. It, it puts people in situations where they think they have to, like you said, seek permission. And my first nonprofit um, job, unfortunately, that's how it was. I had to ask permission for sick time. And little did I know, that's illegal. I have my earned sick time. If I have those hours and I cannot come to work, I think after three days, you have to produce a doctor's note, right? Or something like that. But I was so terrified. Oh, can I take this day as a sick day? I'm not feeling too well. I have the sniffles. Nowadays, after COVID, no, there's no way in hell, right? Like, I would call ABC or CBS and be like, get the news cameras here. We're about to expose these foods. But when I was a lot younger, right out of grad school, the, the day ended at, at 6 p.m. And I once was brought into an office to ask, why do you leave so fast? At 6 on the dot, it's my time to go. And I was like, they're like, oh, it's showing that you're not willing to, you know, go above and beyond. Nowadays, I'm stuck above and beyond, right? Like, how about you pay me more for those extra 15 minutes? Because they weren't, right? I wasn't clocking in. I was salaried. So, so much of what I learned in the very beginning of my career, I had to unlearn apologizing for certain things that is technically illegal, right? I don't need to ask permission for this earned time that I'm getting by working. So thank you for bringing that up. That's another one. Yes. Taking that away from our language. Yeah, it's a different era. So the, the everything you describe is like those days are gone or we're, or we're working to dismantle those. And sometimes you have to build that culture through through the way you show up and the, the practices that you lead. And uh, also, obviously working with you would be amazing because you, you obviously understand this. <laughs> I have another question for you. I think this is very relatable for both, to both of us that have seven, seven different emails, email accounts. So the question is, how can I balance, quote unquote, pursuing my passion with having just that one job? What happens if um, there are aspects of my job that I don't like? Can I still be fulfilled? What, like, what do you say to that? People that have that one job and it's not hitting all the notes and passion. Yeah, I say really take time to think about where you want to put more of your time um, and also how you're investing your energy. So many times, I mean, for me, there was a great resignation and it's still happening, right? So many folks are leaving their jobs that I was there. I was like, am I going to take this step? And my ancestors whispered, stomped me and something about like the traditionality of having benefits. My parents were like, what are you going to do without benefits? And it, it got into my head, but I admire the people who, who, who participated in the great resignation so much and, and found positions after the fact. But I really, like you said, in the beginning reminded me of how I wanted to invest my energy. So for those roles that don't necessarily fulfill us, it's recognizing the things in that role that do and putting your energy into that. And choosing your battles and the things that don't, right? Like I came into my current role, guns blazing, ready to just advocate for everything. And now my spark for certain things is not as high because I recognize that it's not good for my mental health. So I'm like, what, what about this role do I really, really enjoy? And who can I tap to support me in the spaces that I might not so much? And how do I build my little safety in that space so that it's still bearable to, main, to remain in a space where I do find a lot of joy? I do continue to learn I am con continuing to evolve and now being there for so long or, or establishing that some things about the job don't make me happy setting boundaries with those things I think and really recognizing okay I'm putting too much energy into that and that is a privilege I do want to say that many folks sometimes don't have that privilege in, in setting boundaries 
Um, but if you're able to, that's my biggest piece of advice. Very good. Yes, I think there's um, there's sort of like this pressure to like be fulfilled and find this job that you love. Of course, you should find a, a job that you love. And of course, you should be fulfilled. But I think we should also recognize that we live under capitalism. It's still here. We, whether we like it or not, obviously, we obviously don't like it. But we, we <laughs> got to pay rent. We live in a, in a, in a country that doesn't value health care. So we got to pay for health care. So we have to reconcile those things. And yes, sometimes there might be something in your nine to five, the one that pays the bills that you're not totally at a hundred percent fulfilled. But if you could get, like you mentioned, if you can get to like 80% and focus your energy on the stuff that does fill your, your tank, fill your, your glass, then do that. And, and hopefully you're doing it in a way that you still allow some time to find fulfillment in other ways. I know the way that I found fulfillment when I was in a job that I felt like was not fully my soul is through, you know, volunteering or starting this podcast. So, there's other ways to get that, get that fulfillment if you're not getting it 100% from your job. But I also want to be um, honest and clear and truthful that this country's fucked up. And so we, you might need a job to pay the astronomical rents that we currently live in. And we got to just be real about it. So don't, don't beat yourself up if your job is not 110% filling your tank. Yeah, definitely. That, that comes up a lot, especially now. A lot of my friends are like, I wish I didn't have to work. Right. Like the this whole idea that we were working remote and, and finding some joy. A lot of folks found joy in that. Some folks I was going a little stir crazy and like my I had no boundaries because it was just waking up and coming to my kitchen and then closing the laptop. But it didn't feel OK. Right. But essentially, we saw that there was a different way to live. And I can't I mean, at least in education, we're back to fully being in person and it's kind of just back to quote unquote normal. Right. Um, and so it, it, it could get frustrating. It does make us rethink what can life be like. But companies, capitalism, you know, traditional values don't align with with newness. But I hope the youth, I hope I hope Gen Z really pushes us. Right. Like I know millennials have an impact. We continue to. But I really do see a lot of things shifting, like you said, in the workspaces and all that. I love it. I love it. All right. I hope this was valuable to all the folks that are listening with some good tips and some gems in there. Um, now to kind of close us all out, um, I would love to ask you, this is our rapid fire questions that we ask anyone that blesses us with their presence on this podcast. So first question is, and this could be big, small, anything, whatever comes to mind, what are you celebrating big or small? What gets your matraca? Today I'm celebrating that my back is not no longer hurt. Last week, I, after 30, things changed and I didn't stretch after an intense incline run workout. And la all last week, my back was shot. So today I'm celebrating que ahora me desperté with no pain. And I'm still going to go to a chiropractor to figure out what I got to do to do things right now that I'm getting older and making sure taking care of my body. But that really, really, really put things into perspective for me, like just not being able to be mobile, right? Like it's such a privilege, right? To to have certain abilities and, and, and I'm celebrating it that today I'm back to, I'm back to, to being able to go on the treadmill. I'm going to work out tonight. So, so celebrando eso. yes, I'm so glad that your back isn't hurting. Yes. Um, yes. lower back pain. Yep. It's a thing. It's real. <laughs> it's <a> thing. <laughs> um, what are you putting in la basura? What are you done with canceling? Just over it. Que va en la basura? Racism. I mean, always, but lately there's been a lot going on on social media about the gym owner who I think is Armenian. 
who kicked out like an Aguas Frescas donor from an event he was having. I guess the people who, who were preparing the event for him hired these people. And he said, what is this? This isn't a Mexican hangout. And he kicked these vendors out. And, and it's just like, what? Like, and, and also cigarette smoking. Super fucking random. But the other day I got a huge whiff and I'm like, it's 2022 and shit's so expensive and you're still spending money on cigarettes. Like, I don't know. That that gave me a pet peeve this morning. So racism and cigarettes. Absolutely. Because I'm tired of people's bullshit. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Absolutely. And if you're a racist that smokes, get out of here. <laughs> Straight to the trash. Straight to the trash. Okay, now to combat that that trash, how do you stay grounded? Where do you get your calma? Being active, really. And for so long of this year, I was not grounded. I felt so frustrated, and, and, and rightfully so. I love therapy, therapy and moving. Because if it wasn't for my therapist, shout out to her, there's, there'd be so much that'd be swiggling around in this brain with no support. Um, or context in, in managing anxiety and, and communication and navigating relationships with adults. But um, yeah, I moving gives me endorphins. You mess the least. Like I just, I feel that when I'm active, I feel good all around. My skin glows, my heart is happy, I'm smiling. Um, so whether it's trying like kayaking, right? Or getting some sun and, and going to the local park and getting like going up a couple of hills and walking and enjoying the fresh air. Um, I lack so much motivation when I'm not feeling my best self. And so it takes me so much to take that step. But I'm such a runner and such a lover of being active that I, it's kind of like getting over the hump and just pushing myself to do it. Then when I'm in it, it's like, this is like, what the fuck was wrong with you? Why did you wait so long? You know, so I'm always between that balance of like being kind with myself and knowing there's a reason why I'm lacking motivation. And then once I get over that tiny little hill, it's like I'm a whole new person. That's why I was so sad last week. I'm like, I can't run. I just started like my, I, I started it yada, with the back pain, right? So just being mindful of my body and knowing that my body needs to move and waking up playing cumbias and dancing to two of them before I jump in the shower. Any movement makes my heart super happy. I love that. I'm just, the, the what's playing in the back of my head right now is running up that hill since it's, it's yeah. <laughs> trending everywhere. Um, that is awesome. Well, because you are um, such a connoisseur of LA's cuisine, if you were to invite someone that's never been to LA and you got to take them out to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I would love to know what is the ideal hang with Laura? Where are you taking me? Okay, for breakfast, it has to be La Careta on Cesar Chavez. It's right next to Azteca, La Azteca Tortilleria and El Gallo Bakery. So there's literally three gems right next to each other. But La Careta is so family oriented. I recently went with my partner and him and I walked in and there was a group of like old veteranos and like just old men, right? Shout out to them. comiendo. It was like, bare, it was seven. We couldn't sleep and we're like, let's go have breakfast really early. And they're like, oh, the owner isn't here yet, but help yourself. Do you want some coffee? Like we have keys to the place. I guess they're friends. They're like, we cooked our own breakfast, but do you need anything before the owner gets here? And their chilaquiles are amazing. For breakfast, for lunch, I would go ahead and shoot them over to Boulevard Market in Montebello because shout out to Barney and Evelyn Santos. Big they're time. putting together shout out really to them. cool. Yes. They're putting together really cool opportunities for folks to go and choose from different foods. They have a uh, space to grab pupusas. They have, um, wow, Pes Cantina. And the pupusas is, why am I forgetting the name of the pupuseria? I just posted that recently. Catch it on Hungry and East Los. I think it's 
Well, it's the only pupusaria there, and they're freaking good, yes. dude. They're amazing. <laughs> I remember it. Vichos. Wow. I'm disrespectful. There's no location. There's taquero mucho. They have a brewery, alchemy craft. You can grab a little, a little uh, seltzer or a beer and enjoy a nice meal and selection. And then for dinner, for dinner, oh, this is hard. It just depends on the vibe. So if we're craving hamburgers, then we go to my favorite local hamburger joint, First Street Burgers. And a lot of it's East Los area centric because that's where I'm from and I'm showing love to the space. If we're craving burritos, the best bean and cheese burrito with green salsa, que salsa de chicharrón y manteca probably, but it's amazing. It's Allen B's burritos. And then um I'm trying to think of where else I would take them. Those two stand out right now, just depending on the vibe. Sounds delicious. <laughs> I know. Sounds delicious. Amazing. Um, I'm going to write all of these down. And when your back is 100%, I'm taking you. I'm gonna, I want to go to we all these places. <laughs> yes, we were supposed to go to Aymara Peruvian Cuisine down the street that I hadn't tried. And then Shikiosu, too, which is Oaxacan Lebanese. Oh, my gosh. Oh, See, I'm forgetting. gosh. I need to when try listen, that place. Yes. When I listen back, I'm going to sit here and be like, wow, you didn't mention this place or that place because I'm always constantly evolving and changing on what my favorite place is. <laughs> I love it. Well, this was so much joy. Thank you so, so much for stopping by Antamarindo. We, we absolutely love you. Where else can people keep up with you? So at Hungry and Islos on TikTok and on Instagram. I'm Lauda, so like loud, L-O-U-D-A, the Islos on Twitter. Um, and just keeping up with me on, on LA Taco's YouTube. Right now, we're really trying to strategize and figure out what the next steps for LA Taco Live, what they're going to be. Um, but I'm looking forward to continuing to write with LA Taco, to be creative at whatever capacity allows. Um, and we're really just putting it out there. And shout out, you know, let's see if, if, I, if I somehow come out on the screen. I'm going to continue putting my name in the basket for all the opportunities that come my way. So hopefully, hopefully more to come. Absolutely. We know it. We know there's more to come. You're such joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Besties and welcome to I Am Besties. I'm Stephanie Ramirez and I'm Vanessa Casares. We're two Latinas coming together to create a space for heart-to-heart chats on everything that matters. From relationship advice to empowering women, exploring spiritual insights and healing trauma, we've got it all covered. We're your go-to besties, sharing personal stories and bringing on inspiring guests for an engaging and entertaining listening experience. I Am Besties, where you'll find laughter, love, and a supportive sisterhood. Join us and be a part of the family.